Our scripture lessons this morning on this first Sunday after Christmas, for those who will worship later, come to us from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, beginning in verse 10 and reading through verse 3 of chapter 62. Psalm 147, the New Testament epistle to the Galatians, chapter 3, verse 23, and reading through chapter 4 and verse 7. And John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Well, we find ourselves today on what has traditionally been labeled Low Sunday, the Sunday that is usually one of the least attended Sundays in terms of church attendance. And there are various reasons that might account for this. It may be that some families or people are still traveling or still returning from their travels to be with family on this day. And in other cases, it may be that weather may play a factor. The weather may be severe or heavy snowfall or whatever, and it just prevents people from getting out and uh, attending worship. And there might be also an emotional or a spiritual reason for some. For some people, once Christmas Day is over, they experience a great letdown, a sort of collective sigh that comes after weeks of busy, busy activity. And I suppose that this might be a natural response when Christmas Day is viewed as the end of something or the culmination of something. But as we all know here, in the Christian calendar, Christmas Day is not the end or the culmination of something. It's the beginning of something, right? The Christmas season begins on December 25th rather than ending on December 25th. As we know, this season now runs for 12 days up until the Feast of Epiphany on January the 6th. We have 12 days to ponder this mystery that ultimately is beyond our ability to wrap our minds around. So the birth of Christ means that the celebration is not ending, it's just beginning. And perhaps nothing symbolizes the essence of celebration and joy like a wedding. A wedding is one of those few remaining occasions for which almost everyone dresses up, and a wedding is the epitome of celebration and joy. It's the essence of festivity. And it's not surprising to us then that the prophet Isaiah speaks to us today of God's work to bring salvation to people in images of a wedding. And the theme is one of overwhelming joy in Isaiah there, and with good reason. For Christmas this season, it heralds this remarkable transformation. It speaks forth the good news to us that Christ is born, that we've been forgiven, that we have been set free and dressed in new clothes of salvation and righteousness. For Isaiah's crowd, it meant that God had broken his many years of silence and that years of captivity and oppression were over, that the God of justice was coming to bring an end to all of that. In the birth of Christ that we are celebrating now, 
God takes the smelly rags of shepherds and the swaddling clothes of a child in Bethlehem and God fashions from them a wedding dress of salvation and righteousness for all humankind. The birth of Christ proclaims to us with power that God loves us, that God accepts us, that God forgives us. And our response to this, if it's anything like that of Isaiah, our response to this is twofold. Our first response is one of overwhelming joy. We are overcome with joy that God would visit us in this way, that God would send his only begotten son to be born, to live among us, to take upon himself our humanity and to reclaim us for himself. How could we not be overcome with joy at this? We are overwhelmed with joy that the God of the universe, the creator God, would take our humanity upon himself, would take our sin upon himself so that we might be forgiven and made new. We're overwhelmed with joy that he came to pay a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. We're overwhelmed with joy because when we deserved to be confined to the dungeon of our own despair, instead, we were invited to a wedding. But being invited to a wedding celebration brings forth another response from God's people. For in addition to being, for in addition to the fact that we are called to be joyful and that we indeed are joyful, we are also called to respond by being righteous. Isaiah prays here, he prays for Zion, praying for Jerusalem, that her righteousness will shine forth like the dawn, and that her salvation will blaze like a burning torch. One preacher reflects on Isaiah's image here of these wedding clothes and this imagery, and he draws this conclusion. He says, we are indeed all dressed up, but God's purpose is much larger than simply a lesson in haberdashery. There are a few statements sadder than all dressed up and nowhere to go. We are called to go forth from our churches and to be God's people, to struggle with war and poverty and illness, to break our silence and proclaim words of hope. We are called not only to be joyful, but to be righteous, to embody and to share this good news. Several years ago, a young single mom moved from Georgia to North Carolina with her 13-year-old son. She moved because her son was a very gifted viola player, and she wanted to enroll him in the North Carolina School for the Arts. The young man had a scholarship audition that was coming soon, and so his mom wanted him to be prepared for this audition. She wanted to give him the best chance that she could to get a scholarship and get into the School for the Arts. And so she believed that maybe one way to do that would be to provide a solo concert for him, to prepare him for his audition. So she began to open the yellow pages and she began calling churches, local churches in the area, looking for a congregation that might allow her son to play a concert in their space. After many failed attempts, there was one congregation that accepted and so the concert date was arranged. The day arrived and there were 
probably 60 to 70 folks from the congregation who showed up. And the young man arrived also with his viola, dressed in tennis shoes and a ragged old felt jacket because he didn't own a suit of clothes. But his talent was amazing. And so after the concert, the congregation pitched in and they bought him several suits of new clothing. The young man went off to his audition in Washington, D.C. No one heard from him for more than seven years. And then one day, the pastor of this congregation received an envelope in the mail. He opened the envelope, and there was a half-page feature article from the Winston-Salem Journal. And the headline read, Winston-Salem musician is chosen to play at Carnegie Hall. And beneath the article was a large picture of this young man who had played his first solo concert in his tennis shoes and ragged felt jacket. Only in this picture in the newspaper, he was dressed in a splendid tuxedo. And beneath the picture were these handwritten words. Thank you for helping me to make my dream come true. On this first Sunday after Christmas, brothers and sisters, Christ is born. The celebration has begun. And with that celebration, we are given grace to take Christmas out into the world in which we live, to live the joy that the coming of Christ means for all people. Our collect for today says it so well when it says, Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may what? May now shine forth in our lives. As we come to the table of the Lord this morning, let the joy of his birth fill you and fill your hearts. And then don't let it stop there. Let that joy spill over and out of you and into the lives of others. Because as we all know, the celebration is not ending. It's just beginning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.